Hi, I'm the Moroccan Angel, and I'm here to help others set things right with their Maker. Hi, I'm the Moroccan Angel. Thank you for joining me today. I'm glad to have you. Today we're going to be discussing three reasons professing Christian leaders lie about sin. So I want to be clear about something. Quote unquote, professing Christian leaders. This is because I'm wording it this way because you can profess to be something, but that does not mean your profession is true. You see, there are certain facts that must be in place to verify your claim. In this case, biblically aligned facts, not emotional assurances, but facts, established written facts, not your feelings, we have enough of that. So we have these professing Christian leaders, some carrying prestigious titles, such as a pope, bishop, pastor, deacon, nun, a saint, assistant pastor, worship leader. And despite these holy or quote-unquote holy titles or labels, there are some discrepancies. A number of these Christian leaders are telling you in their messages, if you just sinned again, it's okay. You're forgiven. Just as long as you repent and really mean it and keep making the effort to do right, you're in the clear. But my question is, is this what Jesus said? Is this what Jesus actually taught? Even more critically important, is this what the God of Israel declared? So the first thing to do is biblically define sin. Sin is literally the transgression or the breaking of the law. It is the act, one act, not habitual but one act of disobedience against the God of Israel. His established laws and commandments that are written in the original testament. The first reason they lie about sin is because they do not understand what sin actually is. Some have determined, based upon their own personal opinions and beliefs, what they think sin is. It is written within the original testament scriptures what the law is, and the violation of these laws are deemed in the original Hebrew an offense. You have committed an offense against the God of Israel. This is the defining of sin. Now part of understanding the whole idea of sin brings a great deal of clarity concerning Jesus' coming and that whole concept within the Christian religion. So as hard as it is to believe 
For the untrained or the undiscerning eye, a great number of these Christian leaders do not have an accurate or true understanding of what sin is, what is biblically defined as sin. Now the second reason Christian or professing Christian leaders lie about sin is because they themselves are sinners. You have these great professing Christian leaders, great in the sense that they are leading or instructing thousands upon thousands, and then they're exposed and committing some vile act, such as Ted Haggard, for example, being exposed as an adulterer and a sodomite, as well as Paul Crouch. These men were professing to be Christians, leading thousands upon thousands of people in how to get right with Jesus, or how to possess the spirit of the true spirit of Christ. These men were claiming to be literally men who possessed the indwelling spirit of Jesus. Pastors like Eddie Long shouting with the quote-unquote Holy Ghost while engaged in sexual perversion? No, 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 no. And the whole congregation claiming to have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, who was said to reveal the truth, but yet not one of them was told that this married pastor was a sexual pervert? An adulterer? What is happening? <laughs> Jesus said... He who sins is the slave of sin. He is in bondage to sin. He's not free. It is the evidence that Jesus did not set him free. He's still in bondage to a devil. What does the Christian scripture say? If, catch this, if, if the Son therefore shall make you free, if he has made or set you free, if it's true that he has made or set you free, you will be free indeed. It is not a hope. It is not a desire or a wish. It is not a dream to be free. You shall be free indeed. It is a supernatural experience. To the professing Christian leader or to any professing Christian who is breaking the laws of the God of Israel, Jesus himself declared that you are still in bondage to sin. You could shout as loud as you want to in Sunday service. Jesus set me free. But if you are still sinning, breaking the law, it is the evidence not only that you are still in bondage to sin, but that Jesus did not set you free. And if he did not set you free, you are not his. This is what is written. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, not bondage to sin. Freedom from sin. The act of disobedience reveals that you are not free and his spirit is not there. It's not in you. You've been deceived. Jesus said himself that you're deceived. 
Know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Count on your hand how many individuals you know professing to be Christians and eating pork. It's the whole church convinced <laughs> that they felt the Holy Ghost come down and they felt His Spirit. No, that was your emotions. You see, the reason so many Christians compromise and show empathy to these sinning, professing Christian leaders is because they themselves are also sinning and they've invested and connected their souls to the one leading them. Blinded. Professing to be a Christian, faithfully obeying his laws and teachings, and yet thanking him for the ham made on Easter Sunday. You cannot truthfully say that the Holy Ghost dwells within you and that you feel his actual spirit dwelling within you while breaking the laws and commandments that he commanded you to keep, that he stated within the scriptures would be the identifying mark of those who truly love him those who keep his commandments. Jesus' command, clear and undeniable to those who sought to be his true disciples, was go and sin no more. It was a command, not an option. Now the third reason why Christian leaders lie about sin is because they are void of the true indwelling spirit of Jesus. Any person professing to be a Christian and still committing sin or has committed an act of sin or rebellion, since their confession, you shouldn't trust a word that comes out of their mouth. And I'll tell you why. Because they're deceived. Think of it. They're claiming to faithfully follow and obey Jesus' teachings and commands, but they're actually not. They're lying. A Christian is one who steadfastly... Now, hear me on this. This is the sheer definition of the word Christian. One who steadfastly obeys Jesus' teachings and manifests his spirit. In the book of John, it states, in the book of 1 John, it, it says that anyone who commits sin hath not seen Jesus, nor do they know him. And it further states that those who say, I know him, and do not keep his commandments, keep as in, they do not sway, they do not stray, they are steadfast in obeying his teachings. Those who do not keep his commandments and claim to know him, professing to be Christians, professing that they have his spirit and that they're obedient to him, they're liars. It states 
that they are liars and the truth is not in them. If you are an individual claiming to be a Christian and you're still sinning, you shouldn't even trust what's coming out of your mouth because you're deceived. The scriptures state that you're deceived. And what stance are you going to take? That you're right and the scriptures are wrong in defining what true Christianity is? Because if you're going to do that, you might as well step out on a foot and create your own religion. Because that's what it's about then, when you're making the defining marks of what a Christian should be. When did wildly moving the emotions with eloquent speech and passion qualify you or define one to be a genuine Christian? Paul said, that's not how we did it. We didn't convince you with the words of our mouth to become a Christian. We demonstrated to you the supernatural power the biblically aligned supernatural power and presence of Jesus. Wait a second. Do you know, can you fathom how many people were emotionally moved with words to become a Christian versus those who came based on the evidence of supernatural power? I'm not speaking of healing a backache or false displays of demonic possession, but genuine biblical supernatural power. You know, the kind that Jesus did. Healing, making whole birth defects or genetic disorders like Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis, single gene disorders like sickle cell anemia, chromosomal disorders, complex disorders, Huntington's disease, hemophilia, I'll be the one to say it. Not one professing Christian leader has made whole one person with a genetic disorder. Not one professing Christian leader, and this is the one, this is it here, not one has called forth someone from the grave. Restoring life to a dead body. Let me know if I'm wrong. With solid proof. Why do we not see this? This doesn't concern you? That instead of restoring life to the dead, these Christian leaders are dying? Jesus clearly, undeniably said that those who have his true genuine spirit the true Christians will do exactly as he did. Why? Because it's the literal manifesting of his spirit. So, what did he do? When Lazarus died, when the widow's son died, when the damsel died, he restored life to their body. Because the Christian book claims, because he is life. You're claiming to have Jesus' life-giving spirit, 
but you couldn't restore the life to the body of your loved one who died of COVID, who died from a terminal illness. Oh, it wasn't his will. You're praying outside of his will? This is the answer? This is the reason? The Christian scriptures state that this too is the evidence that you are not his. And, and so when you see professing Christian leaders like Kenneth and Gloria Copeland laying hands on a desperate person in a wheelchair with the faith of 10,000 people seeking and hoping in Jesus to walk, and the Copelands claiming to have the literal spirit of Jesus lay hands and declare, Be thou made whole? And nothing happens? This is in your face. They do not have the true spirit of Jesus. They emotionally moved you. Individuals manipulating your emotions with what they learned of Christianity to bring in money. They moved your emotions, but unable to demonstrate the biblically aligned supernatural power and presence of Jesus. The scriptures state, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What does it tell you to do? From such, turn away. You're being given the evidence that they are not genuine disciples of Jesus. Will you blatantly ignore this? For those who are seeking a genuine experience, this should be highly concerning. The other day, I was reading Paul Washer's testimony, and he stated that he waited over 90 days seeking an encounter with God. Not from the God of Israel, but the Christian God, Jesus, because he doesn't know the God of Israel. And after waiting 90 plus days, only to ball up in an emotional heap, but no biblical visitation or evidence of Jesus. You see, after this profound emotional experience that he had, he said, and I quote, do I still struggle with sin? Yes. End quote. This is a problem. Do you not know that the quote-unquote struggle is the evidence that you have not been truly born again? How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The desire is not broken. The struggle reveals that Jesus' spirit is not there. Remember, Jesus stated, He who sins is in bondage to sin. He remains in darkness under the desperate delusion of seeking to be in the light, but ensnared by his own deception. Jesus came to set his people free from sin. 
the fact that you're still quote unquote hoping to be free and quote unquote struggling is the basic obvious truth that you're not actually free. Look and see what you're doing. What are you doing? But I guess a better question to ask is, where are you going? Because everybody, I mean, everybody knows that no sinner will enter into the kingdom of heaven, period. I'm the Moroccan Angel. Do what is right. Always. It matters.